Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello everyone, welcome to the Windsor Knot, a royal wedding podcast. Ooh. I like being on a podcast with a subtitle. Yeah, and you, it sends shivers down my spine whenever we say it, as if, ooh, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> this, royal wedding stuff. We, we definitely know. I'm Daniel Cooper, but the voice you heard just then is Joe Scrabbles. Hello. This week we're talking about the advantages of a royal wedding, the perks, if you will. To the common man. To, to the plebeian. <laughs> To scum like you yeah, and me. Yeah, to absolute li- pond to, life. If you listen to this, scum like you, this is the free shit you can get. Unless you're the queen and you're having a little dangle in the podcast pond. <laughs> <laughs> having a little listen to what they're talking about, your grandson. I was going to say grandpappy. <laughs> Which would have been a weird thing to say in any context. Very strange. Grandpappy. Hey, grandpappy, what you going to do down the train tracks today? That's what the kind of thing you'd say to a grandpappy. Yes, I, I, I guess one would. Look, man, yes and is the, is the key to improv. You should have joined in. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to see you do the segue now. No, it's fine. Hey, guys, the perks of the wedding can include an invite to said wedding, as we found out from The Guardian and a lot of other places. Turns out we, the plebeia, can go to the royal wedding with luck and with hard work. Now, let me read this to you. Royal Wedding, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle invite 2,640 commoners. That's the title of The Guardian's article. 2,640. And I like that they've gone for the slightly snippy commoners. They've really held up their end of the left-wing bargain there. Not just the public. No, the commoners. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are inviting 2,640 members of the public to the grounds of Windsor Castle on their wedding day. But the invitation stops short of a slice of the royal cake. It's no massive. cake. No matter how big Banana that cake bread. is, you're not getting uh, a bit. You think it was democratic cake? Oh, no. Oh, there's a common cake, and it is the cake of disappointment. It's full of posh bananas. Uh, right, so this is interesting. Okay. 
2,640 members of the public. They're going to just sort of mill around, I guess, outside the chapel. Um, the commoners, 1,200 of whom will be chosen from every corner of the United Kingdom. Uh, which is a just the corners. fancy way of putting <laughs> from the country that they're in. Uh, we'll get to watch the arrival of the bride and groom as well as their wedding guests and then the carriage procession after it leaves the service. So you just stand outside, you go, well, this, he's famous. And they you go don't in. even get to go in? No. Of course you don't. It's only an 800-person chapel. It'd be very squeezed. I thought they were like filling gaps in you think like, Elton seat, John? Fillers, like, seat fillers in the Oscars. Elton John and the Spice Girls are going to put up with being sat next to Honestly, Harry Brown. <laughs> from you think they're having this conversation where they're going through the guest list and going like, Harry Brown, is he day do? Is he night do? That's it. And she's like, I don't know if he is. Who? He's, he's from Macclesfield. <laughs> Harry Ooh. Brown. I think night do. Night do. Definitely. Night, night he sounds do. like a bacon sandwich sort of a guy. The couple said that they want members of the public to feel part of the celebrations too, which is very accommodating as much of them. As you can from just seeing someone turn from standing outside, probably in the rain. They will not attend the ceremony inside. Sorry, I burped a bit. They will not <laughs> attend the ceremony inside St George's Chapel at Windsor Castle on the nineteenth of May or the reception. You will not pass the scum detector. Exactly, it's a big like arch, and as you go through it, scum. it just goes disgusting every time you go <laughs> going, through. Philip, take your seat. <laughs> uh, actually, I found out today Philip will not be attending. Are you sure you can get past the school? He's the Duke of Edinburgh, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, he's not attending. Is he not well? Um, well, I think there's rumours that he's not well, but the reason given is that he doesn't... Thanks, Harry. <laughs> absolutely. Well, we, we heard a few reasons why, Glass, from uh, the Kafunda Sun, which said, uh, is there anything more American than having a racist... Mm, yeah, Graham. Yeah, uncle. What's he called? <laughs> His granddad. God, I'm losing it today. But yeah, he's not going. It's not part. The reason given was that he's not. He doesn't have to attend state events anymore. This <laughs> is grandson. I know. Wedding. It's mad, isn't if it? If you're using that as the excuse, I've retired. I've from get... what? Being my granddad from living. You're still alive, only in bodily format. <laughs> That's the good advantage of getting old. You can quite honestly just go, I don't want to. Fuck off. <laughs> Leave me to. out of it. I don't like you. Okay. Uh, where was he? Of the invitees, 1,200 will be nominated by nine regional Lord Lieutenant officers. Sorry, it's Britain, isn't it? Lord Lieutenant officers. Lord Lieutenants are the Queen's personal representatives in each county of the UK. Now, this is interesting. All corners of the United Kingdom, but only nine Lord Lieutenant's offices are choosing people. And there's, what, 50-something counties? More? Yeah, there's absolutely... There's tens more. of them. But what I just would like to put in this clarification note for, like, overseas listeners, but also, like, people in this country, we have no idea about counties. It's not like something you know, like, states you might if nah, you live nah, in nah. the US. Or all this Lord Lieutenant stuff. I've never heard of any of this. There's a bit, the bit that I'm from, the home counties... That's a region, but it's lots of counties. Why not just make it one county? Call Instead of heart, hearts, beds, and bucks. Fuck, just call it all, home. All of our stuff needs rebranding. Homesha. It all needs rebranding. Well, like, honestly, The everyone, north should be a, a bit. Let's work it out now. This is it, right? Because okay. Yorkshire's already most of the north. That, all you need to do is, is go... I'm rebranding that. Bronte's United. <laughs> like, you don't even do that. You just go... Clarksonville. That's a very... Those are all lovely names, but it doesn't need to be that complicated. Cornwall, they can have their own bit because they're angry about it. Okay. The South, Midlands, North, Scotland. You're done. That's all you need. 
Wales. <laughs> They're south. Northern Ireland. <laughs> if we're rolling Wales into south. I've done that just to annoy people. Yeah, Wales can be a bit. Northern Ireland can be a bit. You know what? Northern Ireland, just if you want to be Ireland, go back. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying that if you, just do what you want. Just, oh, let, just crazy you say, days. You say, Chill out. You guys. Go have back. A, yeah. Have a Shiraz. That's the most relaxing drink I can think of. <laughs> you're going to go to Northern You're going to tell the people of Belfast to have a Shiraz. You're going to tell the people of Belfast they're not allowed a Shiraz. I'm saying drink what you want. Good idea. <laughs> well, this got more embittered than I meant it to. <laughs> Yeah, counties make no sense. Lord lieutenants make less sense to me. I'd never heard of them before this. Yeah, Interesting. We'll get back to that later. A statement from Kensington Palace said the couple had asked the people chosen, asked that the people chosen are from a broad range of backgrounds and ages, including young people who've shown strong leadership and those who have served their communities. All the tickets will be named, preventing anyone who tries to make money by selling them. It's like Glastonbury. In addition to those nominated by the Lord's Lieutenant, there will be 200 people from a range of charities and organisations with which Harry and Markle have a close association. I haven't looked into what those are. I'm assuming, like, Markle's, their patients Markle's done UN women's talks. There'll be a few of them, I reckon. Uh, Invic- Invictus. Victor Invictus. He'll be coming. All the rest. Victor Invictus. 610 Windsor Castle community members, including members of the St. George's Chapel community. So I'm assuming that's people who just hang about. Locals. <laughs> Vicar and locals. Bus them in. 530 members of the royal households and crown estate. That's fine. Although, it would piss you off. If you're the, you know, the butler at Buckingham Palace and you're not getting an invite to the royal wedding, you stand outside it all day. That's bad, isn't it? But the thing is, there must be some people who work for them that they are fond of and close to. It's got to be. And they get probably better privileges. No, I do. No, I do. Yeah. Don't eat any food. 800 people in that wedding. You've got a fair couple of butlers in. 100 pupils, and this is it actually, and 100 pupils from two schools close to the castle. The Royal and St. George's. The Royal is a Church of England school for pupils from four to nine years old that was built to educate the children of staff employed by the Royal family. St. George's School is an independent prep school originally founded to educate the choristers of St. George's Chapel. It charges up to £16,000 a year. So that's like buying a ticket. Yeah. If you're paying £16,000 for your kids. schools next to it, you're getting in. A hundred pupils from two schools. Those are some kids that are just... Four to nine-year-olds. Yeah, who are just like getting picked out of a line, just being like, are you, you're handsome. It's good to a little four-year-old. You've shown strong leadership in your local community. (laughs) Yeah, come on in. You in, Pete. Get in. You didn't throw that rock at that duck. You're in. Strong leadership. Well done. Moral fibre. So that is uh, the invites. Now, obviously, this begs the question, how do we get one? Okay. So I don't think we're going to be a part of any of those last I, I struggle to be a, a four to nine-year-old with strong leadership. Exactly. I think you have strong leadership, but... Thanks, Joe. I'm sorry to say that you no longer look, look that like young. a four-year-old, which I, I'm okay with. No matter how baby-faced you are, you're not that baby-faced. Now... That leaves the 1,200 people who are being chosen by the Lord's Lieutenant. So this is the one that we have a chance of. Technically speaking, yes. The the problem is, I've actually spent a long time looking for this. I cannot work out which nine are handing those things out. It gets more confusing when the South Yorkshire Star are reporting that their Lord Lieutenant is giving out eight places to people from, from South Yorkshire. So if that's one of the nine, there is a serious imbalance across the country. I don't know what's going on over there. So we have to hedge our bets. 
I reckon just let's go for the greater London Lord Lieutenant, right? And his name is Sir Kenneth Olisa, OBE. Uh, but first, I looked at what a Lord Lieutenant Lieutenant actually is. I'm going to keep correcting myself on that because it's such an annoying way to say that word. <laughs> like, I'll go all out on the aluminium thing. You know how Americans say aluminium. Yeah. Lieutenant is the stupidest pronunciation of any word in the English language, I reckon. That and uh, the name that's spelt Charmon- Charmondely, but you say it Chumley. Dumb as hell. Grow up, Charmondelys. Right. Lord Lieutenants are the representatives for the Crown for each county in the United Kingdom. We knew that. They are chosen by the Queen on the recommendation of the Prime Minister. So that's a big old chain of command. Like this, There can't be many positions where only the Prime Minister and the Queen get to choose who those are. So you have to be good. And they may be peers or commoners. So that's all right, isn't I, it? Yeah, you don't have you to point be to one. me. When, it could be you, peers or you, I'm saying you could be. I oh, I'm oh, backing you, you for giving for, me my aspiration. I'm backing you for Lord Lieutenant of Blackburn or Lancashire. Yeah, I want all Lancashire. All right, you can have it. Henry VIII wanted the Lord's Lieutenant to control the military for him, but they now just organise royal visits. <laughs> it's a bit of a step down. Like, Might should be missled that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be in charge of all the armed forces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go for yeah, it, mate. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is it check with the generals? Genuinely, I think this might be one of the biggest jobs a Lord Lieutenant's had in years choosing somebody. I bet he's forgotten they wear one. Yeah, just like, oh God, I've got that uniform. Uh, they wear a, talking of the uniform, they wear a military type navy blue uniform with scarlet stripes on the trousers and a scarlet band around their cap. It's a, it's a sort of, um, it's a uniform you it's would like, have seen before. It's like dark blue, but with red accenting down Ooh. it. It looks very smart. Well, it, looks, uh, it sounds quite dashing. But they used to wear the full dress uniform of a cocked hat and a scarlet tunic, which I bloody wish they still Bring wore. it back. Get that back. Look, if we're bringing back, this is, I don't know why this story's really stuck in my head, but the whole Brexit thing, you know how we're, we are, you know how Britain idiots are uh, campaigning for all the wrong things yeah. like blue passports? The one that's really got me. People apparently wanted imperial-sized pint champagne. Instead of 750 mils, they want pints of champagne. That was apparently how it used to be sold. And, um, yeah, it's really bothered me. So they can have... If we got pints of champagne back, get a bloody cocked hat and a scarlet tunic, would you? Can we get back two little bottles of Coke? Uh, that's really annoying, right? They're because getting smaller. Because I went to Sainsbury's last night, and there's a water show oh, in South London. Push and my in, button. And I, got a sm- I wanted to like, get a big bottle of Coke. They went from two litres... Down, I think, to 1.5. 1.75. They're now 1.25. So they do the little ones, right? That's all they had now. What? Right, my one's still got 1.75, but you know what they do occasionally? They're coming for you, Joe. This is, they're coming for my bloody Coke Zero. They're taking away a bottle. Um, I know this well because my housemate, Ollie, uh, he orders regularly from Amazon Prime now 10 bottles of Coke Zero because it's all he drinks. It's amazing, because it means we've constantly got it. He's happy for me to have it, as far as I understand. And um, so I regularly see the changes. Now, the annoying thing about this is that they bring back the two-litre one every now and then, but they brand it as, oh, we've given you some extra free. No, you didn't. You didn't change the price, you freaks. Awful, awful bastards at the Coca-Cola company. Was that a Brexit issue? I think it probably is. Or wait, maybe leaving the EU if will that solve wasn't it, that. If that was, I might have voted for Brexit. If we can keep our <laughs> two-litre bottles of Coke. Give them back. What? They're getting smaller Well, now. they won't be litres. They'll be, what's, it, what's two litres? Four pints? Is litres not? 
Oh, yeah, we want... No yeah. metric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want Imperial. We have a weird hodgepodge of both systems. Yeah. I want shillings of Coke Zero, whatever they would be. I want a doubloon of a it. Tizer. If you haven't got a halfpenny, God bless you. That's what I say. Now, Kenneth Olisa, OBE, who is also a sir. He's a sir and an OBE. That's amazing. I feel like if I got the sir, I might drop the OBE. I, don't know, sure I think you'd mention it less. Yeah. Um, you'd only bring it out for occasions. You'd show them the big, well, I don't know, what's it? Is it a diamond with OBE written on it? That's probably oh, what shoot, they give you. What give out. <laughs> He's a British businessman and philanthropist. He's the first Black Lord Lieutenant or Lieutenant of Greater London. He founded and led the AIM-listed technology merchant bank Interregnum and now leads Restoration Partners. They are a bank for entrepreneurs. Um, and my favourite bit is I went on their website and at the top it says, Entrepreneurs are mad. And then it has a little asterisk after it. After it and right at the bottom of the page it says, Allegedly. It's a little joke on Restoration oh Partners. God. These people have all the money. <laughs> Uh, and my favourite part of this is he's the past master of the Worshipful Company of Information Technologists. Do you know what a Worshipful Company is? No. Well, the Worshipful Company of Information Technologists... I went deep. The Worshipful Company Have of... Have been embedded? Yes, of Information Technologists, also known as the Information... Sorry, also known as the Information Technologists Company, is one of the livery companies of the City of London. Do you know what the livery companies are? No. There are 110 companies, and they're like guilds. For professions. So you've got the worshipful company of, I don't know, sewing, tailors. So This sounds like secret societies. They are. Right? So Not really. I like... They are! I don't know! They're sort of... They're for every major profession that operated around the city of London. So they go hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years back. They were the original trade guilds that you get in, like, games (laughs) in The Witcher. Um, And they essentially... They're kind of like unions, but for the big guys. They're like the ones who make sure everything's working for their particular profession. So this one, the information technologists, was set up in 1992. And he was the master of it, Mr. Elisa, Sir Elisa, in, I think it was 2010. So he's the past master of the Worshipful Company of Information Technologists. Uh, It's involved in a wide range of activities to promote the information technology profession. Uh, its motto, and I love this. This is another. You can tell. I reckon Elisa was involved in this because he loves a bit of weird wordplay, based on his entrepreneur thing. It's not even wordplay. He loves a little joke. Its motto is "cito," which means swiftly in Latin, which is kind of like, I guess, email. Yeah. Um, but it's a word that also, if you've noticed, incorporates the initials "Company of Information Technologists." He took a day off after he did that. Didn't Absolutely, he? just. Oh, he's I'm got going it. home. <laughs> oh, okay. let me. Let me cry the Latin dictionary. Yeah, that worked out. Worked. The Worshipful Company of Information Technologists focuses on three key areas of activity. One, working with charities. Two, education. And three, the IT profession. (laughs) Good on yous. And my favourite part of this, this is genuinely quite cool, it's probably unique amongst livery companies in having an ethical and spiritual development panel which considers such topics as the ethical and spiritual implications of the internet. Which genuinely sounds really interesting. I'd love to hear that. Um, they ran colloquia on that topic in the House of Lords as far back as 1997. I didn't look up what colloquia are. I don't care about the House of Lords. It's ridiculous, that place. Um, but that's Ken or Lisa. So that's who we're aiming for. Now, what we've got to do, and I think we're actually going to try and... Contact him. We're going to try and contact him. And we might try and do a full episode on what we do to get an invite to the wedding. Because I think that's a worthwhile waste of our time. Um 
first I reckon we've got to work out how we butter him up. We know he loves technology, primarily G- IT. Websites. Should we? I think we should buy him a Squarespace domain. <laughs> I think we. He we likes could... Latin. He loves Latin. I hadn't thought about that. We'd get him a book of plants with all the Latin Cicero. names. Or get him Cicero. Or what's well, the old. Um, it. Is it Plutarch? Was he the Plutarch, historian? Yeah. Petrarch as well. Oh, the let's, sonnet. Let's get him all of them, just in case he hasn't got all one the of classics, them. literal classics. Because he's probably got he most probably of them. He probably has them. But he might not have one. And you'd be like, oh, I've been looking for this everywhere. Oh, I couldn't find it. Oh, give it to me, Cito. Which means swiftly in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I just think we could work on a few gifts for him. Get back to him. Um, the other thing that you could do at home, I was thinking, is the easier way for us to get there is you can go on the uh, Lord Lieutenants of Greater London website, which is very nicely designed. Of course it is. Um, He's involved. I know, right? Our man's involved. Um, and you can look up all the um, uh, criteria for nominating someone for an honour, like so we could be honoured in some way. And I think we, at a stretch, make for most of them, apart from I think there's one that's like making... Um, making uh, like morally good decisions in the face of adversity i don't think we've done that yet you can't say it it's, it's arrogant we've if called you say we've it. called out japanese racism that's as good as we've got yeah. on that but i think we meet most of the things so if you wanted to nominate us for an honor to the lord lieutenant of greater london mr kenneth olisa that would be great. You don't feel it's like rating and reviewing on iTunes. You don't have to do it. We just appreciate it if you do. Also, it would really give us a great last episode. It would be amazing if <laughs> we both got if MBEs. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all the invite stuff. But I genuinely think we should try and get invited. Absolutely. To so we'll contact him, and you can contact him on. And if we never mention it again, it's gone terribly, or we've been put in jail. <laughs> Got an email that said, no. Piss off. We'll include that in the feedback section. <laughs> right. That sounds lovely, Joe. Thanks. Um, I do hope we get to go. I'm going to tell you about some lovely little perks of the royal wedding. I'd love you to. While these are nice perks, I should preface it by saying they aren't universally accessible. Right. Whereas yours, you know, the principle behind yours is very democratic. Anyone should be able to go from all corners of the country. I don't think... Joe, it says all corners of the country. I don't think democratic really works when it's one Selected. person going, mm. Hey, you, <laughs> lifesaver. Right, let's not slug him off. We're trying to appeal to him. No, I wasn't talking about Ken. Ken's... He might not even be one of the nine. We might be barking up the wrong lieutenant. Um, so these are things that you can get in London. Um, you can, they're giving away free hotel rooms. What? In London. What do you mean they are? Hotel, hotels are expensive. Yeah, you take away with you. Ah. Hotels are expensive in London. They are. And if you're thinking of visiting this May. Oh, it's going to be astronomical. And, and I should stress, your name is Harry and Meghan, if you're in a, a couple. Well, you can get free hotel rooms in London. Wait, does Meghan have to be spelt the same way as Meghan Markle's? So, that is my main peeve with this. I wonder if it has to be spelled with the H. Oh, okay. Because that's an unusual spelling. That bit. is. So I think basically what we're going to find is a lot of these freebies are predicated upon the theory that very few people, if any, will meet the minimum criteria to redeem them. I feel like the deed poll office might have an influx. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to get the ombudsman onto you. Mate, imagine. We could actually change our names. 
Well, I'll get on to the T's and C's in a second because <laughs> while we could do that, maybe some of the other criteria. Um, you might be entitled to a free hotel room in London. Select four-star Mercure hotels. Well, there are, I think I've stayed in them. I looked at them and I googled them. They, they did look nice if they had a rather shocking shade of purple into a lot of the decor. Are you sure it's not Premier Inn? Maybe it's that. Travel Lodge. They, Premier Inn, are well purple. Uh, this, this is quite like magentary uh are giving away rooms in kensington and Mm. hyde park branches come on that's a good location that is good central london fair play you know if we were winter season that is prime real estate for winter wonderland be straight in in may (laughs) um but if not you can go see where the grass is slowly reviving itself after the horror of winter wonderland it's weird that isn't it that hyde park one of the most prestigious parks in london just half of it's dead most of the time because they have a bad festival there so i i went to windsor Wonderland for the first time like seven years ago when Hell. it was no, seven years ago it was just a bit of a weird novelty it was like a, it was a oh. slightly larger than normal christmas market and oh, it, was, okay. it was hot dogs uh, well you know bratwurst and cider and mulled wine and all that sort of stuff and someone said to me this year do you want to come to windsor Wonderland?" i was like yeah, sure and i thought it was gonna be similar jesus it is they build a theme park it's the worst music festival in the world it's huge I didn't realise it was so big, so it basically destroys part of like London's central park. Very bad. Um, breakfast is included. Yes. But I've looked into this. I oh, cannot, it's not continental. I cannot confirm whether it's continental or buffet. I honestly think it should be illegal to offer continental breakfast only. But, well, unless you specify an upfront and it's like a minimum charge. Even then, you wouldn't shouldn't buffet. be allowed. So um, a few weeks ago, I went to Montreal. I wasn't going to bring this up, but then it's just reminded me. Yeah. I went to Montreal a few weeks ago. And with work and we were staying in this really nice hotel in central montreal and there was free breakfast every morning yes please whatever you wanted hot yeah. and cold loads of stuff the good stuff and first morning i went down and i just i went mental i was like i had about five sausages oh yeah and i had it all and there was like this weird like pancake thing in syrup having that bacon having that on mm-hmm. and then because even though I've lost weight and I'm a thinner adult than I was child, still within me beats the cholesterol-ridden heart of a fat kid. Mm. The next morning, I can't not have the same. Oh, obviously, yeah. And then the third day, I was feeling a bit shit from it all. And I was like, oh, there is melon there. But it's free sausages. Yeah, I honestly think if you're in a hotel, it's just allowed... I know you can be good and nice and... I just can't control myself. No. I had about five cups of coffee. I had a banging headache. It's all there. And then, it, and then they, some <laughs> of them might give you yeah. takeaway cups. I was like, I'll have another one. I, um, I was in... Um, this is just us showing off. But this genuinely a segue. I was in Tokyo recently and our hotel did a very similar thing. Except in um, Japanese breakfast buffets, they have an uh, Asian section. Because lots of people go in and they're like, oh, I'll have a bit of Western stuff. Different. But actually, breakfast... You know, their breakfast foods are very different. But what it meant was that you go down the line, you're like, ah, eggs, sausages, bit weird sausages over there, but they're quite nice. Bacon, uh, some, then like, it gets a bit weird, potato gratin, they love that in the morning. Karage, which is Japanese fried chicken, chicken. Every morning, I'm having about five bits of fried chicken. Why why wouldn't you? Absolute danger. They they have more like a recognisable, like, daytime meal. For breakfast yes like i saw on a show the other day like this um, korean family having breakfast and it was just like beef noodle soup oh it seems very rich but for two years um it was a period of time when i was growing up i just had ham sandwiches for breakfast fair play it's brilliant because I, I made the point to my mum's like 
I don't really like cereal that much. I don't like cereal. Can I just have a ham sandwich? So she'd make me a ham sandwich. I had a short period where, um, in a darker time, I was eating a lot of um, prawn cocktail sandwiches and drinking relentless energy drinks. That was my breakfast most days. Not the 80s starter. I, no, like oh, no, as in, oh, the fillings, yeah, sort the of, filling, the mayonnaise on, yeah, prawn mayonnaise, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a dark time. <laughs> um, Let's get back to the perks. We're very nutritious boys. Um, so yeah, I can neither confirm nor deny whether it's um, continental or not. Mm. I would haver that it is continental. Haver, yeah, I, I would. Is I would, that a word? Is that haver? I guess that sounds wicked. I may have made that up. Uh, that wasn't me. But that was me being impressed by your words uh, rather than questioning. Well, you might be wrong. Um, so I think that's the case. But I found a better offer than free hotel rooms. Okay. It's even better. Do you Joe. have to be called Harry and Meghan again? Y- you might do. Okay. Uh, if you're called Harry and Meghan, spelled with an H, you can enter a chance to win a paid for wedding at the Sheraton Grand London Park Lane Hotel. Oh, that sounds which fancy. It's very nice. It's got an Art Deco ballroom, which will, you will be entitled like to use. Ghostbusters. Well, at the end of The Shining. Oh, yeah. Um, 150 guests, you're allowed. Well, that's well less than the royal wedding. Um, the ballroom was used in the movie Revolver and the 1953 version of Titanic. My well, first... Oh, no. Um, Both bad, aren't they? So... Do you Revolver the Guy Ritchie film? That's what I thought it was. Is that, that's the one swear. where yeah. he thinks he's really clever when all the no, bad guys it. are lit in red and all the good guys are lit in blue. Joe, it's okay if you don't understand And that. then in the middle, in the neutral zone, which I think is Morgan Freeman, he's in green. Joe, it's okay if you don't understand Guy Ritchie. Crazy. Films. It's fine, I'm not going to tell It's you. well worth listening to Guy Ritchie's commentary of that uh, film. I've never watched the film. I've only ever listened to the commentary. <laughs> so you watch films? Uh, no, it's an Adam and Joe bit from back in the day. They're just listening to it and pissing themselves because he's so stupid. <laughs> Aww. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing about this is the option to get married. I think this is a little... Like, all of it's pretty crass, let's face it, if you're mm. entering a competition to get a free wedding. Oh. No. Actually, let me correct myself. I don't mean that. Weddings are very expensive, but I mean like... Yeah. You know what it's I mean. crass the way they've done the way they've it, marketed not it, the because, people yeah, who would that's be entering. What I mean. it. Like, weddings are very expensive. You get one free, you absolutely go. Hundred percent. I did not mean that. Um, it's two weeks before the actual wedding, so you. Well, up- you have to take it two weeks before. Yeah, it has to be two mm. weeks before because obviously this is what I'm kind of referring to is the cynicism of it. Mm. Is they want the PR from you having it two weeks before the and wedding not doing it. and go like Harry and Meghan got married in our hotel. That'll be in some shite paper. <laughs> And there you go. Um, so you, that's your opportunity upstage. So I went into the how to enter criteria. Yeah. Okay. This is only for the hotel. You need to... Actually, I'll just read it out if you want. Wait, for the wedding? Um, this is for the, the free stay at the hotel. Oh, I see. Right. Oh, is... Um, all you need for that is email photo ID to royalmacure at hopeandglorypr.com to apply for the free wedding at the Sheraton Grand London. Couples should email... The other Harry and Meghan at SheratonGrand.com. Okay. So, because obviously that's way more expensive and a lucrative prize, mm-hmm. there's a few more hoops to jump through. Hopefuls will need to introduce themselves and their partner. You've got to tell the story. who? Oh, in the email. In the email. Right, got Tell you. the story of how you met and submit a recent photograph. That's pathetic. Interesting. Submit a photograph. So they're just like, ah, ugly. Yeah. Not allowed in. <laughs> doesn't say a photograph of what? 
Oh, that's a recent, a very good a, point. <laughs> submitting a recent photograph. Oh, yeah, I just took that. Uh, yeah, so we met, and uh, here's a picture of yeah. my drill. Here's a picture of my Wi-Fi password. My route is in my bedroom, so when I'm doing stuff in the living room, I it's really it. useful to have yeah. that on your phone. Uh, Sky gave me a little card with it on, but I've lost that. That's, card's gone AWOL, but lucky I got it on my phone. Which my is, phone. It's like I got the card the whole time. I could change it, but I never get around to it. No. Interested couples have from 9 o'clock on the 14th of February... Um, to end of March, the wedding of Harry and Meghan will take place in May, a few weeks before the royal couple exchange vows. Those are the T's and C's. It's, I don't like them. Yeah, because it is cynical. I know, but, some, I know some people at Hope and Glory PR. Would you reckon we should enter? Well, I reckon we should just pull some strings, right? Well, let's say, can I be Meghan? You can be Meghan. Thank you. It's weird that you love her and you want to also be her. <laughs> That's proper stalker behaviour. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> right, enough of your perks where you only get them if you are called Harry and Meghan and also are apparently attractive enough to get given them. Here's something for everyone. Pub licensing hours to be relaxed on Royal Wedding Weekend. The Independent. This is good ass news. Because second paragraph really lays out why I'm happy about this. Pub licensing hours across England and Wales. Not Scotland. Didn't think about that will be relaxed on the weekend of the Royal Wedding, the Home Office has announced. Pubs will be able to stay open until 1am at the early hours. On the nights... So I assume this must be... Ones that don't have a late license. Yeah, and it also must be the nights, as in the preceding day, 1am the day after. Because obviously the day changes. Right? I I would assume that's like the day of the Royal Wedding, so Saturday going into Sunday. Well, so it says 1am on the nights of Friday... 18th of May and Saturday, 19th of May. So I think oh, it's Friday going Saturday. Friday going Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Sunday. So, so you, you can have a piss. You can the have night a before. big one. Wake up, fry up, watch the royal wedding. Back on it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the and British also, way. Remember, it's the weekend when the FA Cup final will take place. Oh, oh! <laughs> I was going to do, do a chant. <laughs> the government made the decision after it won support from the general public. Who would have thought? <laughs> Well done, government. Do you want, uh, you're not going to get a day off. Do you want pubs open longer? Democracy yeah. in action. You know what? We'll take it. Uh, yeah, one one support from the general public and stakeholders. So I'm assuming pub owners. Whoa. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Including... The manufacturers said yes. <laughs> you know the what? The beer will continue to drink themselves into oblivion, we'll, given half a chance. We'll take the hit. Including the hospitality sector and residence groups during a four-week... Four-week consultation. <laughs> what did they have to discuss for four weeks? You know what it was? It was probably <laughs> the one o'clock on the night, so I've explained... Like, is that one o'clock on Friday? Wait, what? Is that oh, Thursday going Friday? Who... When can I start? <laughs> when can I start? <laughs> when can I stop? Please. <laughs> Home Secretary Amber Rudd said the royal wedding was an opportunity for the country to join together and celebrate. As shown by the support for the proposal to extend licensing hours, it's clear that the public backed the idea of having more time to raise a glass to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle on a day of national celebration, said Miss Rudd, missing the point entirely. <laughs> I know, like, more time to raise a glass. No, it's, it's have ten more. It's, well, yeah, A... <laughs> More time to have more. And also, more time to just raise a glass. It's not to anyone. Just enjoy raising it. No, it doesn't matter where it goes afterwards. The Home Secretary can make an order relaxing licensing hours for licensed premises in relation to a celebration period to mark an occasion of of exceptional international, national, or local significance. I love that, because it's like, 
you know what? This is of international significance, and we're going to keep pubs open for two more hours. <laughs> Guys, have a, you know, go lock-in. Enforced <laughs> lock-ins across Britain. That would be brilliant. Since the Act was introduced in 2003, the one that allows you to extend licensing hours, extended license hours have been issued for a number of special occasions. Can you guess what they are? Um, there are, wait. One, two, three, four. Previous Royal Wedding. Correct. Duke and Duchess of Cambridge in 2011. This weird thing is something like that would have to be like... And I will point out that the Act was introduced in 2003. The first time it was used was in 2011. So it's things since... Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Like, it obviously has to be of national significance. Yeah. England? Think, think Tory. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, World Cup or something. FIFA World Cup in 2014. Okay. Uh, Fox hunting World Championship. <laughs> uh, what else do they like? <laughs> is it? What is it? Um, Glastonbury. <laughs> Yeah, everyone really wanted to stay up and watch the Bruce Springsteen set in 2013. <laughs> uh, strictly final. Yeah. Uh, no, it was the Queen's Diamond Jubilee in 2012 and the Queen's 90th birthday oh, in 2016. Fair play to them doing the World Cup. I, I was very surprised, surprised to read that. Like, I guess that's because... Wait, when was that? 2014. So that was the... Which one was that? Bra Brazil? Brazil. Yeah, so that made sense. Time like Time-wise, yeah. It just makes sense. From a business perspective, yeah. it's not for any nice reasons. Representatives from the licensed trade, the licensed trade, I didn't know that's what it was called, were extremely supportive. The worshipful company of the licensed trade is probably what it's called, were extremely supportive of the proposed order and felt that extended licensing hours during the royal wedding would have an extremely positive effect on the pub sector and my nice brain. Bridget Simmons, chief executive of the British Beer and Pub Association. Bridget Simmons said he was delighted. That's a man's name, Bridget. Bridget. That's good. It's spelled B-R-I-G-I-D. Never heard, heard that before. I'm going to guess Welsh or Scandinavian. Don't know which. This will allow the nation to celebrate and raise a glass to Harry and Meghan. Everyone's talking about that. In a responsible manner. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst giving a timely boost to the great British beer and pub sector. Ms. Simmons said, so it is a woman. Independent. Wait, wait. Has this been written in Japan? And we've got. <laughs> it's been written. Mad translation of in pronouns. Japan, but by an English person right, in the okay. Independent. They've got confused. Bridget Simmons is a woman. I apologise wholeheartedly to you, Bridget. I'm going to guess you might still be Welsh or Scandinavian. You can be whatever you like. The order will be in effect for a period of two hours on two specified nights only. And that's the end. <laughs> like the little firm hand at the end. No fun. Shut up. Responsible raising. I'm I know we made a lot of fun, but I'm genuinely very happy about that. Mainly because of the FA Cup final, but also because, presumably, you and I will be spending a great deal of time together. I think we should do the whole thing, yeah. And um, We should definitely go to a pub and Royal Wedding. Royal Wedding. FA Cup final. Dinner, FA Cup final. Evening do. Evening do. Yeah, of course, because we're getting invited. Getting a kebab. Um, oh, mate, we've never got a kebab together. No. no. We have well, in, in a, a daytime sense in a nice Turkish way. <laughs> <That's subject. laughs> in a daytime Breakfast. sense. <laughs> um here's the final little perk of the Royal Wedding that I found. Okay. Is 
commemorative stuff. Oh, obviously. But obviously, there's lots of tat that is mass produced around this time. Um, we've, we featured some of it on the show, we like did. the Mega Miracle doll last week. Um, this is actually quite good. And I want to like tip people off, and we should get in on this. It is Royal Whiskies. Do yes. special bottles of whiskey to commemorate royal weddings from it's Scotland, well, Scottish, Scotch. Um, so they go bigger on this because they've got, they, I think they can get like royal licenses. Some Scottish is that one of those um, Dutchy ones? Yeah, where he's very, got like shortbread. It's there. not always one manufacturer. Like the ones I've got here are Macallan. Okay, it's a famous Scottish brand, and they get this like license and they make um, special distills. Um, distil- I, I don't know about whiskey. I'm showing that now. I don't know. It's, it's brown. They make special bottles of it. Um, so they've done this before. They did this in 1981 for the marriage of Charles and Diana. So it's called Ma- 1981. It's called, it's called Macallan Royal Marriage 1981. Oh, that's a bad name for something. It's it? very much what it is. Is it a blended Scotch whiskey? Because that would be good. I think it is blended. Anyway, it's a one-off vatting. Doesn't sound very attractive. Yeah. Vatting of Macallan single malt distill from two different distills, so two different vattings. So 1948 and 1961. Oh wow! The birth years of the happy couple. Oh, that's very good. So yeah, that's genuinely very. The 48 good. is Charles, and the 61 is Diana. How have they still got that? It was released in 1981. This is it's a horrible world, but this is obviously a bit of vernacular from the whiskey world. The 43% expression did not carry an age statement. So I think because it's mixed between a 48 and a 61, they don't say... I mean, does that amount to two bottles of whiskey have been poured into a big bottle of whiskey? I don't want to dumb down the the centuries-old traditions of Scottish whiskey distilleries. Mm. But probably. But it sounds like they just just poured one into the other. Was that a 48? Oh, that's lucky. Both I don't know why they're talking years. like that. <laughs> obviously have Scottish accents. Can't do that, though. So back in 1981, when this was made, you could buy a bottle for £20. Oh, right, yeah. That's loads then, though. No, anyone, but it's £20, but guess how much it goes for at auction now if a bottle comes up? £2 million. Well, no, this is going to sound shite now, isn't it? It's gonna. It's two thousand. That's quid. stupid. Stop spending that much on booze. Um... But I looked up a review of Macallan Royal Marriage 1981, hmm. and it's got... Uh, do you want to hear about the nose on it? I'd love to hear about the nose on it. <laughs> right, whatever. Fucking well on on these. R- rich. Obviously. Like, imagine, like, I would love to know if You're they spending would... £2,000 on something, but I would love smell to know rich. if they would have written this if they didn't know it was the royal wedding whiskey. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I think yeah, that yeah. has definitely influenced their word selection. Rich. Frilly. No, no, no. <laughs> Mate. Bear in mind that you that you go, yeah, I'm an expert Scotch taster. I've got the most refined palate in the kind of um, the whiskey world, as we refer to it. This is a it's a royal wedding whiskey. Okay, it's rich. I'm getting notes of fruit cake, oh, mar- marzipan. I didn't know it was going to be this on the nose, and lots of beeswax notes. A highly polished floor of a stately pile. The sweetness oh. is akin to a dried apricot and sultana. Oh, I'm picking up. Uh, inevitable tragedy and um, burnt hair from a flashbang grenade. <laughs> uh, not on this one, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, heather, dark chocolate, and resin. So there you go. Resin? Yeah. It's, it's, Why would you want to drink resin? Um, but the, the finish, he goes, the final comment is, a classic Macallan. 
Obviously, yeah. What I love is uh, resin, beeswax, you know, the old McKellen blend, fruitcake and that. <laughs> also, it says gentle walnut whip. Great balance. This is lazy writing. Walnut whip? Walnut whip. Oh, weird. I don't know how... Anyway. So, in 2011... We're going to get emails about this, aren't we? Telling us we're Philistines. I don't I think maybe on some elements. I think there's, like, obviously there are people with sophisticated palates that can appreciate whiskey in a way that I can't because I don't really like it because mm. it just burns me. But you're not getting a highly polished floor of a stately pile. And why would you want to? Right. I used to work for the Wine Society, and let me tell you, some of the bullshit that was written about so wines by tasters there. Yeah. It's um, mad. So in 2011, McCallum did another royal marriage vintage and they did a thousand bottles of this. These are two single casks laid down in 1996 and 1999. Not the birth years. No, that that sounds would have made wrong. them 15 and 12. <laughs> which, funny. Royal wedding, um, isn't it? It's a little bit more alcoholic. 46.8%. Classic. So that was only in 2011, and that was 100 quid. That's, it's going to be so much more, because people love them more. 1,200 quid. Oh. But, Diana. Yes. Yeah, You've got to factor in Diana. Yeah. I suppose, but I think people love Cane Wills. They do. Maybe um, they're too chill. But I love the sound of this one. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon, ginger, clove, toffee, apple. Cinnamon, ginger, clove. Layered in vanilla. I love that This guy. is the bit that really gets me. Chocolate orange flits in and out. Oh. I, how, <laughs> how much more would you love your life if a chocolate orange flitted in and out? You just see a little segment. Ooh, hello. Oh, get get like, that in. That sounds like an ad. Get that in. Ooh, what's that? Flits in and out. Flits in and out of my mouth. As if someone's just dipping it in. You, you're gargling the whiskey and someone's just like... Bleh, bleh, I just bleh, like going back to your desk and it's just there. and like, oh, have a segment. Look away. Turn back like a horror <gasps> movie. It's gone. <gasps> it's the Michael Myers of chocolate treats. And then you're treats. brushing your teeth in the mirror and you do that thing where the bathroom mirror is slightly open. Then you close it and the chocolate orange is behind there's, you. No, there's this little segment left on the side. Pop it in. Oh, it's the fizzing candy one. Oh, mm. that's a good one. You know what I like about chocolate orange as well is... Um, You've had all the segments, but there's like the core sometimes. Oh, yeah. Amazing. It's like the hidden piece. It's a special little bit. The secret piece. It's like when you get um, a Kit Kat where the biscuit's not all the way through and you get pure chocolate. So I like that chocolate, but then it's just chocolate, isn't it? Yeah, like... but it seems special it's... because the biscuit's not. Yeah, but it just feels like an anomaly. There's that. I've never been able to get this out of my head. There's that um, Mitch Hedberg joke where he's like, I hate the embossed Kit Kat on top of a Kit Kat because that's robbing me of chocolate. And I, oh, I've never been able to... It's a depression, isn't it? It's yeah. not in a... I've never looked at it the same again. He's ruined it. Yeah. Oh. Why you've told me about that? Because I've got to share my pain. I was on a hire with the extra hidden. You segment. look. Next time you look at a Kit Kat, you'll curse it. Ruined that now. So the finish on the Will and Kate um, vintage is soft, full, long lasting. I'm glad you finished that sentence. What did I say? The finish on Will and Kate was a <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> well. This this actually applies. Soft, full, long-lasting, giving away to a clean-spirited end. <laughs> there you go, Joe. I don't know what's going that's on in your bedroom, mate. But... What... <laughs> chocolate orange on the pillow. <laughs> I'm waking up. I'm surrounded by cause. <laughs> Look like I'm in Salo. <laughs> <laughs> that seems as good a place as any to go to a break. Enjoy these sponsors. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We were introduced actually by a mutual friend. Welcome back to the Wins Not podcast. Now, obviously, we've been talking a lot about the perks or the possible perks of this wedding to us, the plebeia. But there have to be some downsides. And I believe, Daniel Cooper, that you have oh, yeah. such a downside it's to not, bring us. It's not all freebies and perks and fun and games. It's not all chocolate oranges flitting out of your mouth. It's not a free continental buffet, even though that doesn't sound like fun. I've gone to the Financial Times to get the impact on the economy the royal wedding will have. The we big, talking, big paper. Because the spin that a lot of people put on it is that it will be a massive boon to our economy because of, of all the, the increase in um, tourism. Um, but you, it's unlikely the Financial Times... Bear in mind, this is one of the most respected financial publications on the planet. They can get away with their paper looking stupid. It's the wrong colour and people still buy it. And it's massive. It's gigantic. I always think when people are reading, like, proper broadsheets, it's just so unwieldy. It's such a bad idea. Like, honestly, broadsheets are over. <laughs> get an iPad. If, we, if people like broadsheets, all iPads would be the size of broadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> If people actually liked it, that's what they yeah. have. It's a backwards technology. Leave it behind. Right. The wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle is unlikely to do much to the British, um, boost the British, Britain's sluggish economy. Past royal weddings have had little impact on the economy, in fact, according to the Financial Times. The Financial Times. Oh, that's the one I've got. Oh, no. you've got the Financial Times. Nah. Um, or they've even held back at growth. What do you mean they've held? How? As was the case with Prince William and Kate Middleton's wedding in April 2011. That actually actually detrimental to the British economy. And the Financial Times does an excellent job of unpacking why. Oh, right. With a a sort of analytical eye that I think you and I, as untrained economists, just just, just, does not acquire. Um, You love setting up a story with a bit of sarcasm. What are you talking about? What? Um, the UK was granted an additional public holiday, which came a few days after Easter and just before the May Day bank holiday. Multiple bank holidays coupled with the warmest April in 100 years encouraged people to take longer breaks from work, with many leaving the country for extended holidays. 
That may be good news for economic... Uh, sorry, I'm going to skip a paragraph here. In sharp contrast, the 1981 wedding of Prince Harry's parents, Prince Charles and Lady Diana, boosted the British tourism industry, which, along with the rest of the economy, was in the depths of a recession at the time. A Downing Street spokesperson said repeatedly on Monday, there are no plans for a bank holiday to occur to mark Prince Harry and Miss Markle's wedding. Said repeatedly. Oh, no. I no! <laughs> this is the insight that mm. the FT has glossed on for like idiots like me and you. That may be good news for economic output, which tends to suffer when people don't go to work. What? Excuse me? So this whole article, that is the crux of it, is the insight is less work is done when people don't go to work. And when there's a state holiday, yeah. there's no work. That is this entire article on the Financial Times. And when I copied and pasted this into a Google Doc that you and I print out, mm. it was cheeky enough to put a bit of copy at the oh, beginning yeah. where it says, please do not copy and paste our articles because you want This is nothing, mate. You, you've, you've taken up a whole side of big pink paper for this. I know. Oh, you yeah, absolute bad, freaks. Um but yeah, according to the Office for National Statistics, Prince William's nuptials were responsible for 1.2% in output in service industries, a 1.6% fall in index of production, and a 1.4% fall in manufacturing production in April, compared with the previous month. Manufacturing. But then I don't get this, because they've said that. So basically put it all on William's wedding, say, you're responsible for all these falls in production. They'd already said there was it was hot, and there was already a May Day bank and holiday. Then, and then also, next paragraph... Also, at the same time, oil prices rose to a record high and global supply chains continue to be impacted by the Japanese earthquake. <laughs> well, maybe those are more contributing factors. I love how angry you are about this. I just think it's easy to... like. Um, the thing that winds me up is making people making facile conclusions yes. based on little evidence. I, I hate a facile <laughs> conclusion myself. No, I'm always saying that, Joe. And cognitive biases, they get right on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> However, retail sales still grow by 2%. And then there's such an absolute sniffy, snarky concluding line. Financial Times. The impact on the commemorative mug industry was not calculated. Oh, oh bloody hell. Piss off. Absolutely. Like, how sniffy is that? Desperate for something. Well, they haven't got any evidence. They've got no, no stats. They've like, barely calculated anything. Oh, uh, yeah. And I love that that's all predicated on this wedding as well. So. Oh, yeah, Harry and Meghan's uh, wedding, probably not going to have a lot going on. Um, have I actually got any evidence for that? Well, that's the thing. So... It's like something you could actually predict and forecast, but you know you would be proven right or wrong in a few months. You're resistant to do that, are you? Yeah. Oh, it's easy to like slag off something in hindsight. It's weird because it's almost like you're the financial times where everyone goes specifically for knowledge about what's going to happen soon. <laughs> you shots us! I wasn't expecting to feel this angry. This, I know. this episode should be called Peeves, not Perks. Oh, Perks and Peeves. It sounds like no, a um, joke. We might need to do Peeves one week. <laughs> <laughs> Perks and Peeves sounds like a ITV defect, detective drama. Shall we go to the emails? Yes, we should. Uh, all right. Shall I go first? You should. This is from our colleague, and I'm loathed to say friend, Simon Cardi. <laughs> And it's called Megan's Choice, which sounds really... Wor I've not read this. It sounds genuinely worrying, what he's about to say. But you vetted this, all right? Yeah? It's mainly okay, apart from the weird stuff he put on the bottom. Don't read that in public. Mm, it's not Simon Pictures. They should stop making MS Paint, because people like him abuse it. Hi, guys. Long-time listener, first-time writer. 
do you think Megan would take the red or blue pill? <laughs> Are we going to explain the context of this within our lives? I think, yes, we should. Have you seen the film The Matrix, in which a man played by Keanu Reeves is, played, is uh, offered by a man played by Lawrence Fishburne a red pill and a blue pill? One pill... Which one I've forgotten? I can't remember. Red pill's the one that takes you out of the matrix. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Well, but ultimately good, depending. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, this is the crux. All right, right. So the red pill takes you out of the matrix. It reveals that the world is a sham and uh, it's all full of robots being harvested for their bioelectricity. The blue pill keeps you ignorant, wipes your memory, and lets you stay in the matrix, and you can just have a grand old time, not knowing. Ignorance is bliss, as put by Joe Pantoliano's character Cipher. We had a discussion in the pub, quite a heated discussion, about whether in that situation we would take the red or blue pill. Uh, I settled on blue. I like the idea of ignorance. And the steak that Joe Pantoliano in that scene is eating looks amazing. And you're not going to get that. They specifically show that you only eat weird porridge outside of the Matrix. I'm not into it. And everyone's just like, there's nothing to do. There's just one city and it's a big sweaty nightclub stinks you're blue pill as well right yeah i am like i love the idea of being able to like exit and overthrow it there's just nothing out there anymore no it's blue pill in it um right so let's continue with cardi's email i reckon she's rather chuffed with her life currently in the matrix getting all roiled up and that part of me however feels that due to her numerous documented charity efforts she would feel the need to head back to zion and fight for a a true humanistic cause thoughts I am 100% Megan would take red pill. I think she would, yeah. I think Megan is too good a person to let her own selfishness and royal nuptials not get let, in the way of it. Not to let my personal feelings cloud her, but she's probably the one. I think, like, if, say, I don't know, someone jumped at Harry yeah. in the run-up to the wedding... You think she's bullet-timing the shit out of her? She would kick the shit out of him, and then fly off with Rage Against the Machine playing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think she's swooping down the aisles? (laughs) (laughs) Come on! (laughs) That's the wedding march. And uh, then at the end, they have to play the other one we talked about. Oh, the end the New Adventures of Johnny Quest theme tune. Night Goose in Zion. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's much of a discussion there. Like, I'm sure she's happy with the blue pill, but that's because ignorance is bliss. Yeah. And then she's yeah, she would absolutely want to overthrow the Matrix. You see what she did as an eleven-year-old kid? She like changed advertising campaigns. Big squid robots aren't stopping her there. Oh no, squiddies! No, no, she's. We did talk about the Matrix a long time that night. That and our um, uh, nascent screenplay, Spider-Man in Dinosaur Land, which we'll talk about another week. We were talking about um, the Matrix so long that evening. We were we did like full round of beers, like six beers down in the pub, and towards the end of the night. well, one of the, I use an American word, the server, walked past, and she just like, leaned over, are you still talking about the Matrix? <laughs> I've forgotten that. Yes, we are. <laughs> you red pill, blue pill. Good day, madam. You with us? <laughs> if you're not with us, you're against us. You're one of them. <laughs> okay. Um, next bit of email. Um, this is from Mark Scrabbles. Uh, so... Unfortunately, uh, you've been keeping this secret from me. Mark Scrabbles, I should point out, is my dad. Well, he says Joe's dad, or if you prefer, Sparky or Sparkle. He is Sparky or Sparkle. Um, Now, before this starts, I have a genuine complex about my parents still seeing anything I do professionally, and it makes me feel extremely embarrassed and childlike. 
You and should brace yourself, mate. I'm really genuinely worried about this. I don't... I'm very happy for my parents to listen to me. I just wish they'd never talk to me about it. You were right with me talking about the blackout periods. <laughs> what? The blackout spells you had when you were nine. Oh, obviously, yeah. I've talked about that on other podcasts. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he says... It's actually just a very helpful email, Joe, okay. and there's nothing about your sordid history. And um, that's another episode. Um, he just has a thought about the Mr. Megan translation from the Japanese site you referred to in your la- latest podcast. The Japanese honorific suffixing her name may have been either Sama or San. Sama is the more <laughs> respectful version of San, e.g. Megan-san. I forgot that my dad used to speak a bit of Japanese. Sama... <laughs> Summer and San are gender neutral, so by default, I think Google translated this as Mr. in not being able to contextualize the sentence. That's his theory, and I'm sticking to it. Having said that, he can't explain Princess Henry reference, which probably blows my whole theory out of water. That's very interesting. But he still blames Google. Yeah. Well, that does mean that he's listened to at least the latest episode. He does say in the PS, he tried rating our podcast uh, five times on iTunes, and it won't let him. That's bullshit. He doesn't want to. <laughs> you know him better than I do. And on a similar note, we got an email from... Oh, um, I'm Lu- genuinely like it's a fine. It was I was really nice. that. I should say, like, um, it, it came out early in the week that Joe's dad... I was trying to keep it free secret from him. And then it, it was almost better, actually, that it came out mm. that it's written him because you got really tense. Oh, I don't like it. You've been shitting it all week. I'm Like, I'm just... There's a real desperation in me for my parents to be proud of me and i realize that everything i do could push them further away from being proud of me so so it's just like you know what level just keep it level they don't need to know anything i do it'll be great you do a lot of stuff in the public domain joe yeah i know anyway i love you dad if you type the word finchy into google image search one of the first things you'll find is joe pulling his little stretchy face face. (laughs) one of the first pictures is joe's um impersonating a weird NPC, um, playable character we made in Dark Souls. Mm. Very stretchy skin, Joe. I do. I'm um, going to be a wrinkly old man. <laughs> and next Thanks email, for that, Dad. <laughs> next email is from Luke Summerhays, and he's given himself his own title, which I love. I like Luke Summerhays. Sh- Shining Emperor of the Bald Head. Yes, I've met him, and that is a good description. Um, he's, he likes the show, and he, he's try- he also wrote in about the Megan Sam thing. Oh, okay. But he also... Remember I was saying, like, there was a guy who wrote for Esquire who said that he owned the sandwich shops? Yes. He says that's also... We've got very smart people listening to this show. very much do. It's also... This is because a lot of Japanese sentences, you don't bother to say who you're referring to, as that can be easily inferred through enough context. So that's why Google Translate struggles with that thing. I see. Again, we were laughing at Google Translate, not the source languages. And it's... But I'm genuinely happy to know why Google Translate is getting things wrong. Like, like we said on that show... It's amazing Google Translate even exists. Considering my dad's the only person I know who has any knowledge of Latvian, and it's not much, I'm surprised he wasn't talking about that, to be well, honest. But... He actually does say in the PS, oh, really? um, I love the cat hat. That's <laughs> good, that. That was my favourite bit, the yeah. cat hat. Uh, this is from Ben Morrison, and it's titled, RE, Circumcision. <laughs> and I was really worried when I saw that, that this was from my dad. <laughs> so I'm glad it wasn't. But um, Sparky, please do write in. As much as you like, as long as... I don't know. Look, it's fine. I just thrown him for a loop there. I, I'm not able to read anymore. It's gone all red. Um, ben Morrison. Hello, the wind's not. This is a random email. Also, just for context, I'm an American living in Norfolk. Seems an unusual place to end up. I wanted to clear up the history behind the circumcision comment 
in the most recent episode. All of them. I remember all of this coming up when Prince George of Cambridge was born, and my source for this is the Evening Standard. But apparently, the tradition of the royal males being circumcised comes from Queen Victoria, who interpreted it it as God's mark on King David and his descendants, and thus enacted it for her own sons. For some reason, it's been documented that the royal family has continued to do this through Her Majesty Elizabeth II's sons, at least for sure, Charles. I would imagine, as Prince Philip is a descendant of Queen Victoria, is Prince Philip a descendant of Queen Victoria? Probably. Really? And was born a Greek prince. He might also be, and would have embraced this tradition. (laughs) Greek Greek princes sounds like something else you could have done to it. (laughs) Prince Albert and a Greek prince. (laughs) Sitting right next to each other. Really weird children's book you find in Soho. (laughs) We could talk about Hellraiser again, I'm sure. (laughs) However, it's believed Diana didn't agree with this tradition and didn't have Will or Harry circumcised. And the Evening Standard didn't think George would be either. Sorry for this very odd email, but I genuinely enjoy the podcast. (laughs) Should you ever want an American's perspective on events, hit me up. Sincerely, Benjamin S. Morrison. Benjamin S. Morrison, the first thing I want you to do um, for your American's perspective is to tell us what your middle name is. I think the S stands for um, Segway. Thank you. There's a lot going on in that email. It's, it's, it's a, an American perspective from the position of Norfolk on circumcision. From the Evening Standard. <laughs> um, so no question this... Um, email but i wanted to put it in it says doesn't have to be a question there's an aussie expat living in seattle i'm enjoying listening to the winds are not mm. the australian media always offered is gets offered so many tidbits about royal happenings and i just don't get that here so your podcast is just what i need oh this is from rebecca hello full rebecca. disclosure i am joe's cousin so might be a bit biased. What? <laughs> but I'm telling all of my local Aussie and New Zealand British expat friends to listen to the Do you know what's not. mad? Is that when you said an Aussie expat living in Seattle, Seattle. I was like, I think that's where Becky lives. <laughs> so, um, so at this point, like, I should just point out that you can email us anytime if you're a member of Joe's family. At show at the winds are not pod.com. You can follow us on Twitter if you're a member of Joe's family. It isn't just restricted to Joe's family. They're just very chatty. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at winds are not pod. Yes, you can. Yeah. And also, you should review us on iTunes. Please do. Because I believe you can give us a five-star rating. I'll teach my dad when I have the inevitable awkward meeting. And leave a review. Because I One know word. this is brilliant. The thing. My dad's br- I've made it sound like I'm worried about him. My dad's brilliant. It's just, and the next time I see him, he's going to be all awkward and be like, oh, you don't need to feel weird about us listening to your stuff. Well, I'm sorry, I just do. And I'm going to have to be all awkward and teach him how to give iTunes reviews <laughs> and write even nicer things about me. So I want all your family to review us on iTunes before next week. Please do. Scrabbles and Associated Scrabbles uh, Associates. What's your mum's maiden name? My mum's yeah. Bowker. Bowker, that's good. Uh, and it's Chapel on uh the others on Becky's side. <laughs> but right, she's all got, of them. Just the whole them. Oh, actually, them. we had one more question, uh, incidentally, from um my cousin Becky's husband, who asked on Facebook, uh, what happens to Meghan's surname when she marries Harry, who doesn't have one? I think for maybe certain... I think the truth is, I, I read into the, a little bit of this when in the first episode I researched Harry's background. Mm. So there's lots of stuff about their surnames. 
in all likelihood, she probably doesn't need one anymore. Yes. But because she probably might have taken one for some documentation, it'll probably be Windsor, I reckon. Interesting. I think they use that for a lot of, like, stuff that normal people have. Right. Like, a driving license or a passport. But she'll, like, probably travel on, like, a diplomatic passport, a special royal passport, so you don't need one. Megan Windsor's a good name. Yeah, it's not bad, it? all works out. Um, so, yeah, that's it for this week's show. But remember to do all those things, especially if you're a member of Joe's family. <laughs> Specifically one of them. Bye. Bye. Bye.